It's the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. Hello and welcome to Five at the Back, your weekly look at the beautiful game with an emphasis on the Premier League. And I'm here with Christian, myself, Jen, and our awesome co-host for this week. It's first time on the show. Give a warm round of applause, if you're listening to this, to Mr. Kyle Jones, noted Chelsea fan. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. That's the Champions of Europe Chelsea fan. Thank you. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, we got some uh, great uh, European action happening, man. We've had some great matches so far. What do you guys think? It's been so exciting to have football that is, um, I don't know, it's just it's, the different format has kind of reinvigorated. Um, that having it every day has been absolutely fabulous. So what about you guys? Me too. Me too. And for me, um, I mostly see a lot, just mostly the Premier League matches. I don't see a lot of the, the lads from other you know, leagues like the La Liga or League One or Bundesliga, but I get to see them in this tournament. And it, it's really kind of cool to see their styles and what they bring to the game if I miss it during the, uh, the regular season, the league season, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing I think I love the most about the Euros, um, it's kind of like the World Cup, is you see the world-class players that you see week in and week out, but you have to see them on teams where they have to adapt their style of play that might be completely different from their club. Um, and, you know, for example, Poland, Robert Lewandowski goes from playing in Bayern Munich, where the roster of superstars to where he's the main man and he has to do it all. So, um, and like Christian said, there's no boring game at the Euros. There is not. There is not. It is a tournament that is arguably harder to win than the World Cup. So without yeah. further ado, let's take a look at some of the groups. So uh, so the Euros kicked off last Friday with Italy, who I don't think anybody gave uh, much of a chance in this tournament to, right? I think everyone was focusing on France, Germany, England. But uh, Italy came up with a very, very, very impressive win against Turkey. Yes. They did it for some. Turkey was a Turkey was a dark horse for some people too, as well. So they're no pushover. No, and I think with Italy, you know, and I mentioned this to Christian the other day. A lot of people think of Italy as um, uh, just going to score one goal and set up shot. Most people are not used to watching an attacking uh, Italian side, and from front to back, they I mean they got Donnarumma and goal. They've got a wall in the back, but they finally have the horses up front to score goals. I mean, I don't remember the last time I watched uh, an Italy team outside of qualification for the Euros um, score for fun like they have. And, I mean, they're on some insane unbeaten streak as well. So they've, uh, they've announced themselves so far. We'll see what happens for game two. Oh, sure. And, of course, our our – guest from last week Goffey's team they uh they had a a pretty good a pretty good draw against uh the Swiss so that was good to see they're both in with a shout to qualify still yes 100% so of the of the early matches I mean besides Italy kicking it off you know, decisive victory of the the Saturday matches, which was your your favorite? Was it the the Welsh draw because it's 
close to home or was it Belgium beating Russia three nothing? Well, some of the guys who I play soccer with uh, are Russian, so I'm glad that uh, the Belgians, Belgians gave him a good hiding. It's always good to see. <laughs> but I think the biggest story on Saturday, right, was uh, Ericsson having a heart attack on the field. Yes. Yes. Yes, undeniably. He's down one of the scariest things I've ever witnessed in my life. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've, I've never seen before. I've seen a guy swallow his tongue before, and I've seen a guy bend the other way before, but to see him have a heart attack on the field is just astounding to me. What made it worse, I think, was the cameraman didn't uh, move away from the scene, right? He just kept on it the whole time. It was awful. And in fact, they had to cover him up and then showed his poor wife. It was just, it was, it was despicable to me. Uh, they could have done, handled a lot better. Yeah, the only time they moved off the camera off field was to just show the devastation of his wife, which is always what you want to see, you know. Right. You're not showing a player getting brought back to life. Let's show um, his stricken wife just absolutely losing on the sidelines. And um, from what I understand, uh, from what I've read, the broadcasters didn't necessarily have control of what they were showing. Uh, apparently, they're trying to place the blame at the feet of UEFA, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's not hard. Right. But um, just uh, them showing Christian Erickson getting um, hit with a defibrillator. I mean, that was just, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine being in the stands, seeing that. Well, um, I was watching on my TV and I was just, I wasn't, I had to remind myself to breathe. I didn't know what I was looking at. It was insane. So because I was uh, a medic um, in my you know, previous kind of stages of life. Um, one of the thing or a couple things that really struck me. Um, first of all, the fact that one of the guys that plays on the same side of the field recognized so quickly, this isn't normal. Right. And he came over, he checked for a pulse. He checked for, you know, opened the airway, started chest compressions. I mean, that's one of those like, you want people to know what to do in the event of an emergency and seeing that happen so quickly was amazing. And if hopefully if, if something comes out of this is how important it is to have people around everything that you do with athletics that have CPR, know where the AED is, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like this is just kind of one of those, like it, it worked out. Okay. But you know, it was kind of that brush with with tragedy that hopefully turns, you know what I mean? Like just brings some awareness to stuff because um, it can happen to high school kids. It can happen to, you know what I mean? It, it can happen to little kids that, you know, have stuff that's undiagnosed and that kind of stuff. Um, I thought that seeing the the rest of his teammates stand around him and provide that barrier was was one of the coolest kind of um, expressions of how teammates can become family. Um, and just, you know, and you could see some were facing forward, some were facing backwards. Um, they were, there were so many prayers that were, you know what I mean, lifted up, you know, in that, that two or three minutes. Um, 
you know, I think the only other devastating kind of faces that you saw were the the crowd, you know, the people that were close enough to see it that were like, oh, this is real. Oh, my God. Um, I'm just I'm so very, very thankful that it played out the way that it played out as far as him being OK, though. You think they should have played the game? No. I don't think they should have played it as soon as they did. Um, I think, you know, given the rules that uh, UEFA are are governed by, they had apparently, uh, I think it's Peter Schmeichel said they had three options was to play that game, the game that day, um, come back noontime the next day or forfeit three nothing. And um, I think if any option were taken, they should have played the following day. Um, And, I was talking to Christian about this earlier. I don't really like Steve McManaman, but um, he was on the color commentary, or not the color commentary, but he was in the studio um, mm-hmm. when that happened. And he was absolutely um, beside himself that they were deciding to play that game that day. And I agree with them. I mean, you know, you see um, your fellow countrymen, some, I mean, they're your close friends, you know, the guy that um, pulled his tongue out of his throat, that's one of his best friends, you know, he comforted his wife. So you, you see that, you see one of your best friends die and then you get brought back to life. And, you know, they're like, all right, well, you've had an hour to reflect. Now you got to go out and finish five minutes and then take another five minute break and then play another half. And I think um, mentally speaking, that was, they did the Danish national team a disservice and the Finnish national team because they had to go out and play that team. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the only, it wasn't only the Danish that struggled, you know? Right. So. Well, part of what I think needs to happen is UEFA needs to, they need to adjust, adjust their rules so that going forward, it, there's no reason why it couldn't have happened. Like we know that I don't know, like there's no reason why it had to happen the next day within 24 hours. There's no reason why it couldn't have been 48 hours. Like, you know, what it's, I don't know why there was so so much urgency there. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, I, they have, they have a time for the tournament. They have a month to do the tournament and um, the goal is to get the, the group stages got, done as efficiently as possible. So I can kind of understand why they wanted to get the game played within 24 hours. But have, giving them three options and two of them being just absolutely awful options just puts you in a bind. And I know they said that Erickson called them and said he wanted them to play that game that day. But And I understand the sentiment behind it. You know, he's trying to galvanize his friends. You know, he, he wanted them to know he was okay. But there's no reason they couldn't take a 24-hour pause. Everybody go home, you know, get back to the team hotel, just decompress and come out the next day. But, um, you know, UEFA is UEFA as much as FIFA is FIFA. And uh, they played the match. So, Well, this is one of those instances where I think you can say, hey, there are – there's enough research out there, you know what I mean, that guides – you know, when, you know, like research as far as like in military situations, you know, you see somebody get turned into a pink mist standing next to you, next to you, like, when are you going to be in a position where you can effectively function? You know, like there's enough research with law enforcement. When you see someone 
something traumatic happens, how much time do you need to be able to at least kind of collect yourself, talk to your family, be like, hey, I love you, just to let you know, you know, kind of check in with some people that you maybe haven't had the chance to say, hey, I love you, you know, that kind of stuff. 48 hours wouldn't be unreasonable for UEFA to do, you know what I mean? And I don't know, I just, (sighs) anyway. All right. (laughs) So I think we're all pretty, pretty mad, but that's okay. It is what it is. So what made me laugh was that UEFA were the first to jump all over the European Super League. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that they do then is all about greed. But Group (laughs) C, Group C. So for me, the game of the tournament so far has been out of this group. It was the Netherlands nearly they were on away two, three points against the Ukraine. Yeah. Almost bottled it. That was a great match. Yeah, that's, um, I told Manny earlier today um, that that was my game of the tournament as well. Um, so far, obviously. And this was pre-Germany-France. I was hoping that would live up to the hype. And it did in certain aspects, and it did in others. But, I mean, watching Netherlands storm out to a 2 nothing lead and then try to do their best imitation of a choker um, just to rescue it at the death. I mean, it had everything you could ask for in a soccer match. Yeah. So I, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Jen, go ahead. No, go. Okay, kind of piling on what uh, Kyle said earlier also about, you know, watching some of the players in the Euros playing different, maybe not different positions, but kind of different roles they do in their club teams. I thought Jeannie, who was no longer a player, but I still wish him well and keep an eye on him. I thought he played a little bit different role than he does with Klopp, a little bit more further forward and a little bit more involved in the, in the attack that he does with us. And I thought, uh, I thought he played pretty well, but. Who? With Alden. Genie Wine oh. Alden. Oh. I knew. No. Yeah. He's, he's trolling. Jim <laughs> is, is a that's, huge fan of the nicknames. That's, that's a huge. Uh, so I will say though, in that in Group C, part of what was so exciting was North Macedonia scoring. Like not only were they there, but they scored, and it was just it was I don't know like that was kind of exciting for them. Exciting for me to be excited for them. Anyway. So do we think North Macedonia are going to get any points? No, but they scored a goal. <laughs> they they uh, just beat think, Germany. I think, I think they get at least a point. I think they likely draw um, the Ukraine game. Because I know Ukraine came out and they ended up making the Netherlands game a game, but they looked uh, like the Ukraine. They look like you expected the Ukraine to look. I don't know if they have enough firepower up top when they're not playing uh, a top team to get up for. So I think if they get a point anywhere, it's going to be against the Ukraine. And you never know the Dutch could throw in a master class and give them a point. Um, but Anything is possible. Germany, so I mean, they beat Germany, so anything is clearly possible. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Group D, Christian, how do you feel about England's chances now that you've seen them play? Better, same, worse. 
It's coming home. When are you right. getting your Raheem Sterling jersey? Never. Sterling. Oh my word. Never. <laughs> there is not um, enough. So as so as you all know, so half of my so my family split United City. Even all of the city part of the family just can't believe how bad Sterling is in big games. Like every big game, we know is going to fluff three, four, five easy chances. You know? That does seem to be a reoccurring theme for this tournament so far, though. The number of like goals that you're like, how did you miss that? Mm-hmm. What? So at least he's in good company. Yeah, it, it, it's one of the things that I always look for um, when these international tournaments roll around. So you have the World Cup and the Euros. Typically, usually there's always one or two players that step out. Usually you see a goalie like Olsen for Sweden just stood on his head and just kept Spain at bay the entire game. Lord um, had the game of and, a you know, lifetime. So you look for these, you look for these players to step up and to have uh, their moment. And I mean, Raheem Sterling finally got his first goal in the Euros. It was an interesting chance, but um, he's looked, uh, he looked like Pep was right to keep him out of the lineup as long as he did. Um, and I'm glad he put him in the lineup for the Champions League because that helped immensely. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought I thought um, I thought England overall looked well. The midfield was um, absolutely bossing. Um, Christian, how do you feel about Calvin Phillips having a good game? Because we know you're a, a tremendous Leeds supporter. Well, I've I've gone for Leeds every chance I've had the last season. And, uh, <laughs> So hopefully he will realize his talent and uh, move on to a bigger club. <laughs> I did like his hair. Like the, the braids were very of course you stylish did. looking. Yeah. I did. know full well there's there's some girl out there listening to it that every time I say something like that, rolls her eyes and it's like, oh my God, you're not helping her case. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. So I was, uh, I was very disappointed with Scotland. Yeah, we, we play them this Friday mm-hmm. where, yeah. where most of Jacksonville will be going to a particular bar to watch the game. And uh, I thought that they would they would have showed a little more fight, a little more quality up top. Uh, but I think, as Mike said, when he came on the podcast, right, scoring goals was going to be their problem this tournament. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that definitely showed when they played. That uh, second goal, though. Oh, goal that was such a heartbreaker. Uh, going to be an issue too. Um, I mean, they have the horses in midfield. If you want, I mean, they got uh, Jack again. Who's, I mean, if you've watched the Premier League, you know he's just a dynamo from start to finish. He gets in, uh, he gets the foot in and tackles. He moves the ball from back to front. You know, their midfield is solid. Um, their forward play uh, left a lot to be desired. And I mean, I've never seen. I shouldn't say I've never seen, but rarely do you see a keeper make that big of a blunder on that big of a stage. Um, you know, he got wrapped up in the net like he was uh, an animal in the sea. It was just, it was bad on all accounts. Um, it was very bad. I mean, it doesn't help that they have one of the worst left backs in the league, right? Oh, so no. Ah, ah, I knew that was you know, coming. I've been saying a long time, you play a winger at left back and a winger at right back, and you're you're done for. Right. You know, Liverpool likes it. 
you know, it works for them sometimes, but what are you going to do? You know, not everyone has a Ben Shilwell or a Luke Shaw or exactly. a Reese James or a Wamba Saka, you know, you got to make do with what you got. Um, but given what I saw from Scotland, I expect a 2-1 win from Scotland against England this week, you know, the English are going to have to do something to remind us that they are the England national team. And what it better will, way than to lose to Scotland? Exactly. It'll be like a, a Premier League game, right? So when you have players who are not as good playing against a much better team, and as we know, shocks happen, right? Yeah. In the I mean, Premier League. Chelsea lost 5-2 to West Brom. Right. I mean, and, I mean they didn't just lose. They, they got walked off the pitch. Um. And West Brom was one of the most atrocious teams in the Premier I mean, they went down. Big Sam couldn't even save them. And he has a penchant for saving teams that are in danger of getting relegated. Um, I think this game will – I think Christian's right. I think this game will most likely resemble a Prem game just from the sheer amount of Premier League talent on the field for both sides. I mean, Mason, Reese, Ben, and uh, Billy Gilmore, if he gets a run in, I mean, they all play together. You know, Jeff again knows everybody on the English national team. You know, so I think, I think it'll be a cagey affair. I think uh, Scotland might put up a little bit of a fight. You know, because it's the rivalry, England versus Scotland. But if England doesn't win this game, uh, it's not going to be good for Christians. But I, I don't think it'll be cagey at all. I think it'll be both teams going at it straight from the get go. I think it'll be a proper, a proper end to end game. Do you see like a 3-2 Christian, something like that, final? Yeah. yeah. Apart from Scotland scoring two goals, yes. <laughs> All right, then. So I do – one of the – well, I do have a question. One of the things that's really interesting is looking at who gets selected to be the national team managers. Like they don't – is it because that national teams don't have the deep pockets that – like club teams have that they don't, I mean, like, it seems like you've got a lot of guys coaching that don't have the, they don't have the resume that club coaches have. Well, um, I mean, I don't know if it's so much that the teams don't have the money because let's be honest, the national teams are backed by the government. So, you know, they have the resources. I think it's more, it comes down more to is a coach, especially considering how COVID has impacted the international tournaments, the international friendlies, you know, the normal, normal international schedule you might have. Most coaches aren't willing to coach four or five, six games a year and then play a tournament every two years. Um, I mean, you look, if you look at Germany, for example, Hansi Flick, who just won the Bundesliga with Bayern, he's going to be the new German national team coach. Yogi Löw is finally um, stepping down. Um, Hansi Flick has quite the resume. He stepped in at Bayern and won them a, a Bundesliga when they were adrift. Um, right. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a pedigree thing. I think it's more a lot of coaches just like the week to week environment of coaching at a club. Christian okay. might have more insight on that, but I I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's uh, com- from a competitive standpoint. Well, right. it, it, so. Explain to me who Gareth Southgate is and what he did before becoming the English manager. So the English uh, FA tried to change the way that they uh, hired their coaches. 
So there was often a disconnect between the under 17s, 18, 19s, all the way up to the national team, right? So they wanted the continuity. Mm-hmm. So they brought Southgate in to originally help with that continuity across all the different teams, right? So the way okay. that they were coached, the way that they will play. But so Southgate wasn't the chosen coach, right? It was Big Sam for some incredible reason. And uh, and then, of course, Sam was allegedly caught in a sting of fixing, was it fixing games or something like that? I can't remember. I thought it was like a bribery, like a potential bribery thing or something. Is that what it was? It was a sting anyway with the, one of the newspapers in the UK. And that's when he left, Southgate stepped in uh, temporarily and, you know, and he did a good job. As a club manager, he was really bad. He was at Middlesbrough. And uh, they were just awful. But um, I think it helped having a really easy World Cup path, right? Uh-huh. When you get a group of really good players together, it's not that difficult to coach them to be teams like Trinidad and Panama and, you know, Sweden. As soon as we came up against a really good team, we, we lost. And I think a lot of English fans are expecting that to happen in this tournament too, to be honest with you. But, uh, but you never know. I mean, it is a team stat. This is the best team I've seen since 96, I think. 98, 96. So okay. we've got a good chance. But in terms of the other managers, right? So you have Mancini, Italy. Been there and done it. And then uh, the Portuguese manager, he's been also very, very successful in his career. Uh, you got Deboer at Netherlands. He's- right. I mean, he had success at Ajax, not so much at Atlanta United, but, you know. Right. So, at England, typically, it was always the pinnacle of your career, right? You would have a long club career, and then when you were near retiring, then you would take the England job. Okay. So, uh, so they kind of broke the trend a little bit and gave it to somebody who's just finished playing, knows the new techniques maybe a little bit more. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't gone badly for us so far but you never know fair okay yeah all right so moving on group e slovakia spain sweden poland so as uh as you were all alluding to sweden's goalkeeper had an amazing game against the spanish he did yeah. eric who did he play for <laughs> Spanish goalkeeper? I mean, the Swedish goalkeeper? Yeah. He's the backup keeper for Everton. I'll save you, Eric. Oh, then he, oh, he sucks. <laughs> Except he had the game I, of a lifetime. I honestly didn't know that because I'm so fixated on dinosaur arms for them. I didn't know they had a backup. So. Okay. Um, I think so. For Groupie, I think the best game of that, of the, of that group was actually the Spain-Sweden game, which is weird because it was a draw. But um, it was back and forth, you know. Sweden was camped in their um, in their half of the field for. If the first half was forty five minutes, it felt like they were camped in there for forty four minutes. But um, Sweden has a young striker. His name's Isak. He plays in the in La Liga, and he had a couple chances um, early in the game, and then later in the second half where he just. He took on two, three Spanish defenders. He did a couple step overs. He he made he made something shake out of nothing. And um, obviously, Robin Olsen just had the game of his life. Um, 
it doesn't hurt that you're going against Alvaro. I can't hit an open net Morata. Um, but, you know, when they were getting shots on target, I mean, Koke was making things happen. Um, but he was just time and again, just making saves, uh, foot saves, uh, pairing it over the bar, pairing it around the bar, just making stuff happen. Um, so my pick for that, for that group is the Spain-Sweden game. Uh, the biggest surprise, obviously, was the Slovakia game. Right. Poland losing. Well, yeah. Wait, why was but, that a surprise? Um, I just, I didn't expect, um, if anything, I expected a draw out of that. Um, I didn't, you know, Poland, um, they have a lot of talent that uh, plays in the Bundesliga. A lot of their talent older, obviously, Lewandowski's on the wrong side of 30. Um, I don't even know if Wojciechowski still plays um, for the Polish national team. But uh, for Poland, that's a team for me that they expect uh, Lua to do everything and anything um, without much support. Um, and Slovakia, you know, I don't think anyone gave Slovakia much of a chance to leave that uh, game with the W. And um, I didn't. And I was glad to be wrong because it was actually a really good game. Um, but for me, it was the biggest surprise of the day. I think own goals are always one of those you kind of hate to see it. I, well, at least I do. Um, if they're going to score, you want it to be clearly somebody else. Anyway. For the that record, own, after today, I am very anti-own goal as well. That own goal today <laughs> was an, an, a, a fabulous I mean, that finish. Was, that was a, a top-bend finish today. I mean, it was a peach of a goal. Uh, I mean, just put it where the keeper couldn't get to it, you know, 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I, uh, when you get to these international tournaments, you see a lot of, you tend to see a lot of low scoring games because, you know, people play conservatives, you know, they spend the first 20, 30 minutes just trying to figure it out. And so there's a lot of games where if you get a goal, you take it. Um, I love an own goal, especially one that bounces off the post and then bounces off the keeper's head. Um, that's my favorite type of goal, um, and Chesney provided that to, uh, in that game. So I was immensely uh, satisfied by that own goal. Which is a nice transition to the group of death, Group E. <laughs> group F. So Portugal, France, Germany, and unfortunately for Hungary, there with that group. So, uh, so I think. <clears throat> Portugal saw off Hungary with without too many problems, right? Was that surprising? Um, yes and uh, yes and no. So I don't know if they saw them off with too without too many problems. You know, Hungary never really got a shot that should have troubled Patricia. But until the 75th, 80th minute mark, Portugal looked like they could play for 120 minutes and not do anything. Um, well, I mean, they are you know, ranked. In the world, so I mean, like, I feel, I feel like Portugal. I mean, like everybody, at least in my mind, it seems like everybody's like, yeah, yeah, Christian Ronaldo. You know what I mean? Like, like they're just, you know, like he's just. They want to make. I don't know. Like, I feel like they want to make the Portuguese team the equivalent of like the Argentinian team, where Argentina really does look at Messi and they're like, all right save us but portugal has has more like quality i think 
throughout their their lineup than most people give them credit for. Right, which is why I think they um, they underperformed there. Yeah, they won three nothing. Let's uh, let's be clear. At the end of the day, they walked the game. If you just look at the score line, but up until the 75th, 80th minute mark, they weren't doing much. You know, Bruno and uh, Bruno Fernandez and uh, Bernard Silva, they just weren't. They weren't getting into full gear. You know, Ronaldo missed uh, a sitter in the first half. Yeah, it took a deflection off Yota, but it's a finish you expect him to make 100 times out of 100. You know, he was right on the edge of the six-yard box. He had the hungry goalkeeper, and he skied it. So up until, it, you know, it wasn't looking like Portugal was going to be able to pull anything out of that match. And then it ended up being 3 nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, what, and that's what the good teams are able to do. They're able to go from – it doesn't look like they're going to get anything other than a point out of it to walking away with three points. Right. And they did that today. And um, so they're in the driver's seat right now for group F, which is good for them because group F is full of world cup winners and Hungary. So. <laughs> so the other game, France, Germany. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I mean, before the tournament today, France were the clear favourites. After the mm-hmm. game today, does anybody think they're not clear favourites still? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, they, were, they weren't in top gear, but I mean, just give them a game. I, I'll give them another game to see. I mean, if they kind of pull that same performance, then I think questions should be asked, you know? Um, I... You know, it's for me, and this is, um, I'm a German fan. You know, I've rooted for the German national team since I was a teenager, you know, 12, 14 years old. You know, this was the team I started watching. You know, my family obviously emigrated from Germany way back when. So there's a familial tie to it. And I just like the way they play football. So that's how I ended up a German fan. Um, having said that, uh, the game today wasn't, uh, it was as close as it looked. And then at times it looked like we were, playing a different game um, I think France are still favorites um, it's hard to get past the midfield that has Pogba with the way he's playing I mean he was all over the field today he was making passes for fun um, he was retaining the ball moving the ball from back to front um, he was getting Mbappe out on runs he was you know he was playing him on um, you have Conte in the middle midfield which I mean he needs no introduction. He, he touches every blade of grass on that field from minute one to minute 90. So I, I think France are still the favorites. I think France got a little bit of a shock today because if you take I – mean, it was a great own goal, but, I mean, that own goal was not something you'd expect Max Hummels to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 99 times out of 100, he clears that. You know, today was the one time he didn't. So I think France has a little bit to be worried about um, in terms of being able to score. But, I mean, we saw it today. Um, they can counter with anybody in the world. I mean, they got Mbappe up top, which is a counterattacker's dream. So I think they're still a favorite. Um, I expect them to put on a better performance the second game, especially because I believe they play Hungary. They do. So, um, so I, I expect them to uh, yeah, get into gear, as Eric said, the next game. I do think they're still the favorite, but I do think they got a little bit of a shot today. Are you worried about going through? Um. Yes and no. I'm not worried. I think ultimately Germany will get through. Uh, my worry is we'll have to get through as one of the four 
uh, three seats because um, we looked great today. You know, we had periods where we were moving the ball fluidly. We were moving between the lines. We were holding possession. Um, you know, Neuer was doing his thing. The defense was tracking runs, making sure that Mbappe wasn't uh, having free reign. And we never sniffed uh, Yoris's goal. I think he may have had one save to make all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a worry for Germany. You know, Germany hasn't had a true out-and-out number nine since uh, Miroslav Klose. You know, they kind of play a false nine, a shadow nine, whatever you want to call it. You know, Thomas Muller plays through the middle, but he's not an out-and-out number nine. Um, Kai Havertz, he'll, he'll rotate through the middle. You know, he'll play wherever you want, but he's not an out-and-out number nine. So, and then you got Timo Werner, who's in some sort of form. I don't know if you want to call it good, bad, or indifferent, but, you know, <laughs> Germany doesn't have what other teams have. You know, they don't have a Harry Kane. They don't have a Robert Lewandowski. Uh, even to an extent, I think Ronaldo would be a capable number nine. Obviously, he knows how to make runs between the lines and just knows how to get in the box. So, I think Germany will um, – advance but um i don't i'm not confident that it'll be as a two seed i'm not confident that it'll be as one of the top two teams in the group um i hope i'm wrong we play portugal next um so it's a quick turnaround but we'll see um today was inspiring in some points and frustrating in a lot of others if you lose against portugal there's a good chance you may finish bottom i mean it wouldn't surprise me if hungary because you're playing them in Budapest, right? Um, I believe so. I think our next match is in Munich. I think we play Portugal in Munich. And then I think we do play them in Hungary and yeah. Budapest. So, I mean, if we don't beat or get a point from Portugal, all bets are off. You know, I think, um, I think the boys will come out ready to go and to prove a point against Portugal. But, um, they're going to run into the same issue that they ran into France, albeit a little differently. You know, they're going to have to deal with Bruno Fernandez. Uh, they're going to have to deal with uh, Diego Jota, uh, Guerrero as a left wing back. And I mean, Ronaldo is Ronaldo. He's going to get his, you know, you can hope to contain him like you did with Mbappe. And I mean, Hungary did a really good job for about 80 minutes and he still ended up with two goals. So um, it's the group of death for a reason. So, all it, right. It, it looks like you may pay, play both games in Munich. Oh, really? The Hungary game as well? Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, if, if, if that's the case, um, then that should bolster Germany's chances because, you know, no one, no one enjoys more home cooking than the Germans. So, <laughs> so I do want to ask like, looking after this first round of play from everybody, who do you think is most likely to respond well to a disappointing finish? What do you mean? So, all right. So, Wales are so so Wales and Switzerland, right? So, do we do we consider a draw there a disappointing finish, or do we consider it like just for, for you know which, for which team? I don't either one. That's what I'm saying. Like I was just, I'm just kind of going by the groups, like the ones that didn't win, the ones that either drew or lost, 
who is going to like, who do you think is going to respond the most like successfully, I guess. So was, was, were Wales and Switzerland happy with it? I mean, no, not happy. Were they satisfied with that being their finish for the first, the first game? I think Wales probably are. I, yeah. I think Switzerland actually would, should leave that game a little bit disappointed. Uh, Wales, uh, they should be, uh, like I said, I think Christian hit it on the head. They should be happy with the point. If they had gotten three points, I think they obviously would have been over the moon. But uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Wales match, but uh, you know, Gary Fale looked every bit of his 31 years old. Uh, you know, they just, Switzerland looked like the better team. And I think Switzerland, uh, would be should be a little bit more disappointed that they didn't leave with three points, more so than Wales should be happy that they left with a point. Okay, yeah. so and, everybody's B, going for wins against Turkey in that group. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Turkey is going to be the whipping post in that in that uh, group, unfortunately. Fair. Um, All right. So in Group B, does Denmark bounce back? Are they just discombobulated for the entire tournament? I mean. Is there a rebound? Let's see. Do you know if Denmark play Russia in St. Petersburg or in Copenhagen? I will look. So the next game is uh, for Denmark is against Belgium. So me thinks Denmark is going to – they're not going to have a good time. Um, You know, it's – what they went through on Saturday was just something uh, no one ever expected to have to experience. You know, when you go out and play a game of football, you don't expect to watch one of your teammates have to get defibrillated on the field and their heart stop for five minutes. Um, I think they'll put up a good fight, but I mean, Belgium, they waltz to a win against Russia in Russia, where Russia opened the 2018 World Cup with an emphatic victory. You know, it's not easy to go into Russia against Russia and come away with three points. Mm-hmm. And Belgium made it look easy. Um, and uh, they're going to be flying high. Lukaku's on the form of his life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Courtois had more than a save or two to make against Russia. And, I mean, Ericsson was the, is the player that pulls the strings in that midfield. And right. He, He's just not going to be there, so I don't, I don't foresee them having a good tournament. The, unfortunately, yeah, the history nerd in me um, absolutely loves the the Cold War implications of Finland versus Russia. I'm not going to lie, like the geopolitical, like anyway. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be pulling for Finland on that one. But anyway. Who do you guys think is going to win that one between Finland and Russia? Russia. I see Russia too. Okay. I think, I think Finland wins that. Um, Russia has, I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I mean, obviously Russia was playing Belgium and Belgium's a classic ahead of them. (laughs) But, um, you know, Finland's got Pookie. And as we all know, no Pookie, no party. Um, That's right. Back in the Premier League season. He's back in the Prem. But um, I think um, after getting the win against Denmark, you know, 
that was emotional for them as well. You know, yeah. their hearts probably weren't fully in it. They were probably thinking thinking of Christian uh, Erickson. So, but I do think um, between the age of Russia's backline and the fact that they're just not very good, their backline, uh, I think Finland has a chance to go in there and get a win. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they got a draw or if Russia came out with a win, but I'm, I would pick Finland uh, to go in there and get a win, which means cool. they'll probably lose. This is okay. kind of insight we wanted, Kyle. This is why we invited you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Group C, Ukraine and North Macedonia wound up with losses. Um, was Ukraine, like, emboldened? I mean, are they going to be emboldened by the, the narrowness of their defeat? No. Or is it just... This is the natural order of the universe. It is. So I think Austria and the Ukraine are both going to end up with three points. And then it'll be kind of a flip to decide who goes through with the Netherlands. I only think two teams from this group will go through. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think, so I think Ukraine can take heart in the fact that they went toe to toe with the Netherlands, but the Netherlands almost lost that game more so than Ukraine almost got a draw, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, for the first 45 minutes, uh, the Netherlands were doing whatever they wanted. Uh, and then, now granted, Ukraine scored two, probably two of the prettiest goals of the tournament. Um, their first goal was just a left-footed uh, bending shot from outside the box, um, something I did to Eric a lot on FIFA. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if they have the firepower to keep up with that. I think they'll definitely get, I think they'll get three points against North Macedonia because, uh, much like Turkey, uh, North Macedonia is going to be a team that everyone in that group is expecting to get three points against. The whipping post, yeah. Even the goal they got against Austria, I mean, that was the most yakky sacks goal I've ever seen. I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing what the defense was doing how that ball ended up dropping to the north macedonian striker but um i, I think they get a point. <laughs> i think they i think they i think they get a point and that's against ukraine if that so okay um, so that leaves all right so group group d croatia taking it on the chin and Scotland taking on the chin who, I mean, is Croatia going to be able to, no. I don't, I'm just, they anyway. looked old, old to me, old and tired. Yeah. yeah. Um, Modric looks like the game's passing by a little bit. Yeah. Um, which sucks because I love watching Luka Modric in the midfield. And even if you go back to the world cup, uh, lead up to the World Cup final where Croatia made the final against France. He was their metronome. You know, as he went, so went Croatia. Um, I mean, you have Ivan Rakitic retired, which was a blow for Croatia because he, him and Modric in the midfield were dynamo. Um, yeah. They don't really have, you know, they're missing Mario Mandzukic. You know, that he was a true, like, uh, stand-up, you know, target man number nine he was tall he would get win headers in the box you know be able to hold up the ball hold up play um 
Kovacic is trying his best, but he's gone from playing in a midfield that includes N'Golo Conte uh, and Jorginho and Mason Mount to playing with an aging Modric uh, and no real attacking force going forward. Right. So I, I don't know. I think Croatia still has a chance to get out of the group based solely on who's in the group. But it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't make it out of the group stage because they, I don't know, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to uh, get enough goals for goal differential or to even just get wins. Um, I think their best chance is probably against Scotland. And I mean, we saw what Czech Republic did to Scotland. They have a striker, Patrick Schick. So um, I don't know. I think the game has passed this uh, generation of Croatian players by with the exception of Kovacic, only because he's a little bit younger. But by the time the World Cup rolls around, he'll be the elder statesman. So, Ouch. Okay. So, Group E. So, we had the, the draw between Spain and Sweden. The loss by Poland. Like... <laughs> this is the one honestly where the results were the most surprising for me like I would not have won any money on this round for this group. Christian what do you what do you make of this Spanish team they okay so before the the generation of Iniesta and Xavi and the uh Payal Spain were always the nearly men in, in Europe, right? And I think they're going back to that. They have a an okay team, but it's very light, right? You wouldn't fear to play them in any any knockout round. No. You know, they're, they're okay. They're a good team, but they're not a world-class team like they were. No. I, I, think, I think the game against Sweden was kind of a – I don't want to call it a front, but it was because it was against Sweden, you know, like I said, that first 45 minutes, they had, I think at one point, it was 90-10 possession. And, you know, you think, wow, that's back to the Spanish teams of old. But they had 90-10 possession, just kicking the ball from side to side. You know, they made a couple runs forward. You know, Jordi Alba played in a couple balls from the wing. But, I mean, they had a couple good chances with Morata. Let's not, let's not sell them short. Morata should have had two goals. But yeah. they're not the Spanish teams of old. You know, they don't, there's, there's not a Xavi, there's not an Iniesta. They have a lot of good young talent coming through uh, La Masia and the Madrid uh, academies. And I think they will be good again in the future, but I think they're kind of, I think like Christian said, I think they're kind of in a transition now. And, you know, if you're counting on Morata to be your goal getter, um, it's, you don't know what you're going to get from Morata. You're either going to get, the Maratha who had no confidence when he left Chelsea, or you're going to get the Maratha that was scoring for fun when he was at Juventus the first go around. No, we know and what we're getting it's from not Maratha. Looking good. Misses. Yeah. Easy chances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then he can he can pull out a world class finish out of nowhere because he has it in him. We know that because he's done it. But the question is, can you get it out of him? And it was it's not looking good based on the first game because, like I said. He should have had two goals. There was one where it was him on Olsen. That was it. And he put the ball about five yards wide of the far post. I mean, that's just abysmal finishing from your supposed striker. Right. Part of, I guess, part of for me, for Group E, it's also looking who else is in the group. Like, Olsen had the game of his life 
last night and that or yesterday you know what I mean like it part of that you can't bank on that you know what I mean and Sweden did I mean Sweden did okay but like as far as looking at their rosters and the quality on the field like you still would expect if they played that game five different times four out of those five times Spain would win it yeah but if you look at the group who else in that group are they going to camp in the in their own half like they would have to against Spain? You know, it's Slovakia, Spain, Sweden, and Poland. Um, I don't see Poland, Slovakia passing around Sweden like Spain did. Uh, you know, Slovakia's got a good bunch of players. They've got Dubrovka in goal. You know, they've got Skriniar, who's probably one of the best center backs in Europe right now. He's definitely one of the best center backs in Italy. He just won the title with Inter Milan. You know, you got Marin Hamshik, who's played everywhere. I think he's in China now. But, you know, he always shows up, you know. But they're not Spain. You know, they're not going to pass you to death. Um, Poland is Robert Lewandowski, uh, Szczesny and goal, and then just uh, other talent from the Bundesliga that are, you know, they're going to they're gonna put in a shift, but they're not going to – I don't think they're going to pass around Sweden like Spain did. But I think Sweden has actually a good chance because, like I said, their young striker, Isak, he, um, he, I think he plays for Villarreal in La Liga, and he's just a dynamo. He's 21 years old. You know, he's got a motor, and he scores. You know, he should have had a goal against Spain. They actually should have won that game one nothing. Um, he had a chance that bounced off the post or bounced. He, he, it got past the keeper who is Unai Simeon. You know, it's uh, not someone you would associate with Spain. Uh, you know, not it's not a household have. name. <laughs> it's not a household name. And uh, Marco Llorente made a block on it. It happened to bounce off the post and went to the keeper's hands. So, I mean, you're talking yeah. a funny bounce away from Sweden winning that game one nothing. Yeah. I think they could take it to the rest of the teams in that uh, group. I don't think they'll be camped in their own half for 75 to the 90 minutes. Well, all right. So group F between Germany and Hungary, who has the uh, most, who's most, who's most likely to respond well to today's games? Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of, I figured Christian would say Hungary, but I think um, it has to be Germany. You know, Germany cannot come out and lay an egg against Portugal. They have the most to lose out of this group right now. Because I think we can pencil France in for one of the two spots. Most likely they're going to go through as the number one team out of that group. So your hopes, if you're Germany, is to either get that second seed or be one of the top four third seeds that's left in the group stage. And... If you don't get a result against Portugal, then you have to hope the rest of the teams that are in that third place, third, third place slot just absolutely fall apart. And Germany is in a group of death. You know, they're not in a group that has Slovakia, Sweden, or Poland. You know, they're not with North Macedonia, who beat Germany. So that's not even a guarantee. You know, they need, they need a response more so than Hungary does. Because, you know, Hungary came to the Euros expecting to, I mean, expecting to fight. But I don't know if they came expecting to get a win. You know, they are 
they put up a graphic that they're unbeaten in their last 11 games. So, you know, there are no pushovers. Like Christian said, I don't like them. There's no easy game in Europe because it's an international tournament. But if Germany doesn't get out of this group stage, um, Yogi Love, um, his legacy is going to take a massive hit because the teams he's had since he's taken over, uh, out of it, he's gotten one World Cup. Which was in 2014. It was great, but was that all? We got what happened? I said, is that all? Just one World Cup? Well, you know, they didn't do. You know what I mean? Relatively speaking, you know, they they made it to the final in the Euros and they lost Italy. You know, they. I don't want to say they've underperformed, but you know, with they've underperformed with the teams they've they've had in the past, they've, they've they've laid some stinkers. So I think. Of the teams that need a result, it's Germany. I think they'll get a result. All right. Um, so, so before you finish that sentence, I'm just going to say, as an Englishman, if we had made it to uh, a Euro final, lost, okay, but got to a World Cup and won within two years, so that's a two-year period, the whole country would have been drunk for the whole two years that that situation was. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, that's absolutely fair. So of the next set of fixtures, so of the the second round, which three or four games are you guys most excited to see? So I'm looking forward to the derby, the England-Scotland game. Fair. As as, As soon as we knew that they were in our group, we're all over it. Same. Me too. Just just coming off what Christian has said in the past about the the teams and what what Guffy said last time about uh you know the Scotland, the Wales, and England are going at it. So I would say that match as well. Um, I'm most looking forward to Germany Portugal personally. Um, as far as the neutral matches um are concerned. Uh, from a neutral standpoint, I'm also looking forward to England Scotland because I think it'll it's a derby, like Christian said. You don't usually get those very often in international tournaments. You know, they're not you, know, you you're guaranteed derbies in a club season because that's just the way the schedule works. But you're not guaranteed an England Scotland game for an international tournament. And um, I think Scotland has a lot to prove. Uh, you know, they've finally, they've, I think this is the first time they've made a major tournament in 30 years, something like that, Christian. Yeah, and they're not, yeah, they're not, um, you know, they're not perennial international tournament participants. You know, they've, they've got a good young team. You know, we give Robertson a lot of crap because that's just what we do. It's club rivalry, but he's a good lo- young left back. You know, they've got the midfield players. They just they don't have anything going forward in terms of a striker, but I think they'll play England hard, um, and I think it'll be a good game. I don't know if they'll get a win, but that's the one I'm probably looking most forward to um, from a neutral standpoint. So Jen has done her perennial uh, Frozen. So we will end the podcast with a quick look at our tournament. <clears throat> Our fantasy tournament. So if you 
Yeah, if you guys uh, are new listeners to the show, um, for the past two seasons we've been actually doing this pod, we've had a fantasy league going on with the Premier League where we all um, just like the typical pick teams, pick names and go at it. We'll see who is the winner at the end of the uh, end of the season. We decided to do this with the Euros to make it a little bit more interesting. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not, I repeat, N-O-T, not as of this stage in last place, but I am here to read the uh, the table here for the first uh, round of games. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go from, we only have 10, so I'm going to go from the 10 all the way to one. So I'm going to go with number 10, Espanol's, managed by friend of the show, Joel Ramos, has 27 points. In ninth position, we have our very own Jen Morgan uh, managing, hopefully this goes well so far, eh, maybe <laughs> 29 points. Um, number seven, friend of the show, Ken, with You're Killing Me Smalls, had a great name, has um, 35 points. Number seven, our very own Scott Mackey with, um, actually just named it Scott Mackey. So it's uh, 35 points, position seven. He's seven. Six. Wow. How the, uh, seven. How the yeah. tables turn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's seventh in uh-huh. all of Tottenham. That's adorable. <laughs> position six, um, our very own friend of the show, Manny, with I don't know what I'm doing, FC, 37 points, position six. Um, tied for fourth, myself, up the reds with 42 points. Um, our very own Charles with Haas, first finished seventh with 42 points. Um, <laughs> friend of the show, uh, Brandon, FSU manager on Twitter. Um, Jose de Mason to Fonseca has 43 points. He's right just above us. Um, number two, the Free Lions, managed by our very own Christian, has 46 points in second place. And our very own Skiff with the best name of the tournament, Everton Blows, with 49 points so far on the table. So it's a good competition so far after round one, guys. Sure is. Sure is. All right. So we'll do this at the end of each each uh, each stage of the tournament, right? So group one, group two, group three, quarters, semi-final. Okay. So who do we think is going to win, Eric? Oh, the, out of all of us? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Out of what do you mean? the tournament, the real tournament, not the fantasy. Oh, tournament. the real tournament. Oh, I, I, pick, I pick France. All right. Kyle? Um, so my heart wants to pick Germany, but my head is going to stick with France right now. Um, I think they still have the best team by miles, um, and they're just getting started. So I'm going to go with France. Jen? I'll go last. Okay. England. Jen? <laughs> no, biggest shock of the night. <laughs> that wasn't as, yeah, that, that wasn't as big. Um, okay. I'm, I'm actually... Oh, I'm going to go with Portugal right now. Oh, right. you think they repeat? I think there's a chance. Well, I mean, there's a chance for everybody right now. Uh, no, there's not. Not Germany, Kyle. Not, Germany. <laughs> not a chance hey, for everybody. North Macedonia. Um, they're definitely in a better spot than they were in the 2016 year. I think Christian can agree with me. I'm kind of surprised that Portugal won 2016. Yes. Uh, they had a really young team. Uh, you know, Ronaldo was either hurt or he, I know he got hurt in the final, um, but it was you know it was a young team. I mean, they went in there with Ed Air as their striker. Uh, you know, Bruno Fernandez wasn't really part of the setup at that point. Yeah. Bernardo Silva wasn't either. You know, they were younger. They were just they were they just weren't I, uh, part of the tournament. So I think they yeah. have a better chance now at this stage than they did at this stage five years ago. I'd either say them or like maybe maybe Belgium. 
I think if De Bruyne comes back, huh? Can't have two teams, just one. <laughs> Fine, you right now. You can change it to Belgium next week. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll see how All the next. Right. All right, and on that bombshell, we will say goodnight.